Dali had always longed to visit America. In his autobiography, The Secret Life of Salvador Dali, he said, I thumbed through the New Yorker and town and country. Each image that came from America I would sniff, so to speak, with the voluptuousness with which one welcomes the first whiff of the inaugural fragrance of a sensational meal of which one is to partake. Dali and Gala first made it to New York in 1934, thanks to a $500 loan from their friend Picasso. The trip was a total and madcap success. Their American friend and Zodiac patron, Caress Crosby, made sure their arrival was fated. The New York press greeted Dali at the dock, where they were fascinated by his paintings, his strange accent, the two-metre loaf of bread that Dali had prepared for the occasion, and the strings that he had tied from his fingers to the paintings to ensure their safe arrival. Dali's exhibition at the Julian Levy Gallery completely sold out. By 1936, by which time he and his moustache had graced the cover of Time magazine, he was a household name throughout Middle America. Dali was also delighted by New York City, as his 1934 tribute attests. New York, you are an Egypt, but an Egypt turned inside out, for she erected pyramids of slavery to death, and you erect pyramids of democracy with the vertical organ pipes of your skyscrapers all meeting at the point of infinity of liberty. I salute you, explosive giraffes of New York, and all you forerunners of the irrational, Max Sennett, Harry Langton, and you too, unforgettable Buster Keaton, tragic and delirious like my rotten and mystic donkeys, desert roses of Spain. Dali was happy to reside in Spain and to enjoy being the exotic visitor to America, but the circumstances of the Second World War forced him and Gala into exile in 1940. They fled to America, first settling with Caress Crosby in Hampton Manor, Virginia, and then moving between the St. Regis Hotel in Manhattan and a studio at Pebble Beach, California. America really was the land of opportunities for Dali. He did not paint as much because of all the other creative endeavours on offer in the USA. However, as always, Dali worked studiously and prodigiously, as reported by Naomi Joles in her New York Post article, Phenomenal Osmosis, printed October the 25th, 1944. Dali is extremely methodical about his work. At his Del Monte, California studio, he works every morning from 8 until 1 o'clock when he knocks off for lunch with Gala and a game of chess, works again until dinner and then sometimes until 1 o'clock in the morning. He will keep up the schedule for months at a time. Madame Dali takes care of the details of his life. He has a terrible memory, and half the time she pins the address on him so you will know where he's going. She buys all his clothes, although his most famous item is one of his own design, notably his aphrodisiac coat, consisting of a black dinner jacket to which are attached, one beside another, 88 liqueur glasses filled to the edge with green creme de menthe, with a dead fly and a cocktail straw in each glass. Dali's time in America was also the period when he wrote his notoriously unreliable autobiography, The Secret Life of Salvador Dali, as well as his first novel, Hidden Faces, a novel set in Europe on the brink of war. Artistically, Dali shifted during this time too, something perhaps enabled by the new environment that America offered. He moved away from some of the principles and attitudes of surrealism 
and aimed very clearly at principles of classicism that for Dali were most perfectly realized in the art of the Renaissance. At the time, he proclaimed his desire to render the experience of my life classic, to endow it with a form, a cosmogony, a synthesis, an architecture of eternity. Classicism for him meant integration, synthesis, cosmogony and faith, instead of fragmentation, experimentation and scepticism. Perhaps this veneration of the Renaissance period also enabled his return to Catholicism, which further distanced him from the Surrealists, who were highly critical of the Church. At the end of the American period in 1948, Dali also published his Fifty Secrets of Magic Craftsmanship, an outlandish and tongue-in-cheek homage to treatises by Renaissance artists such as Leonardo da Vinci and Leon Battista Alberti. It related the following piece of wisdom, which is somewhat unhelpful for aspiring artists. The two most fortunate things that can happen to a painter are first, to be Spanish, and second, to be named Dali. These two fortunate things have happened to me.